I title this message today, The Danger of the Sin of Gossip, <laughs> Part 1. <laughs> Part 1. Now, let's, let's just start from the, from, from, from the beginning, all right? Let's, let's start by saying that um, we, we must recognize this. We have to be honest and see that God is actually working in this place in a very unique way. I believe we, we ought to thank God. We ought to be thankful to God in, in manifesting His grace in this local church. The, the genuineness of, of our love for God is displayed so clearly in our commitment to one another. And I'm so grateful for that. I am so grateful, and so should you. And if you ask people around you, if you turn around and you ask people around you, not now, but later, um, why they came to this specific place of worship? Why? Um, what the, you know, they, they, they would have passed uh, hundreds of other churches and they came to this place. Most likely, many of them would say, ah, because of the specific theology for, for the unadulterated word of God that is taught here in this place. But do you know why people actually stay and they don't leave? It's not because of theology. It's because they would discover that we're not just only interested in theology, but we want to live it out. That They discover that we're committed to belong to a community of born-again believers, to love them and to be loved by them, to serve them and to be served by them, and together as one body we would proclaim the gospel and that we would advance the kingdom of God. We were eager for nothing less than this strong, gospel, Christ-centered unity within this local church. And I believe that this is truly the work of God. So brethren, be encouraged. Um, the hand of God is upon Saving Grace Bible Church in a very unique way. The the. The love we have for our Redeemer that is shown in a way that we're committed in serving love to the redeemed saints in this local church can never be man-made, can never be fabricated. And we have our sister Rachel, you know, she's done surgery. And what, what have we done? We see people gladly lining up and they... Uh, want to uh, give her meals and we set up a schedule for that or you know our sister mary would be unwell and everybody would be eager to um, um, look after her children um, we needed a pulpit and then what happened mark jumped in and uh, for rescue and then he built this uh, massive ship for us and i love it <laughs> well praise god for that praise god praise god Praise God for this Christ-centered, blood-bought unity. And you know what? We must endeavor to protect this unity. Amen? We must protect it from harm's way. From, from harm's way. And it is to this end. It's because we must protect this blood-bought unity. 
I must preach on that sin of gossip. This sin of gossip is one of the two most devastating, devilish sins that could destroy even the best unity of any local church. When it comes to the unity of the church, indeed there are two sins that have no equal in a destruction. One is teaching contrary to the statement of, way, of faith in which we build our church upon. That's one. But the second one, equally destructive, is the sin of gossip. These are the two horns of the devil by which he attempts to bring down any local church to its knees. Well, what I'm going to do is for the next two weeks, like I said, I'm going to preach in the gospel in uh, in uh, sin of gossip, and then after that, I'm so eager to go back and resume the gospel of Mark. Now, this word gossip, um, it it has a close sister word, and that and that is the word slander. Now, they're both so close to each other, and even sometimes they're overlapped, and uh, both of them. Uh, other uh, places in the scripture, they're used interchangeably. Um, now, um, we see the reference back to back in Proverbs 20 verse 19, where it says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. Romans 1 verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers. So these two, in fact, twin sisters are devilish and, and, and anyone that is given to the, such sin cannot be any more than the devil himself. Now, what is the difference between these two words? Let's start with the difference first. Slander. It's the spread of malicious false information about someone with the intent to bring harm to their victim. That's slander. Gossip. It doesn't care about the authenticity of the information. Gossip thrives into the ruin of the reputation of the victim. So in one hand, slander is one passes on unfounded information without any evidence to support the claim. It's false. It's, it's untrue. It's malicious. Gossip, however, it may be truthful information, but it really doesn't matter. What matters and what is common between the two is the passing on of the negative, harmful information so to drag the name of the victim through the mud. Now notice that there is almost a huge overlap to the point that it may even confuse you after I said this. Let me give you another example. Uh, 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 sorry, an example so I can help you to see the difference between the two. So slander is when you hear uh, some kind of ill information, like, you know, let's just say, Susie had a, was angry with um, Nancy, and she had a fallout with her. And you don't know for sure if this did happen. You didn't verify it, 
Um, you didn't know if it's true. But in your mind, you kind of said, all right, sweet. All right. And then you go on and you pass on this unfounded news to others with the intention to expose Susie. That's slander. Gossip, in the other hand, doesn't matter. It doesn't really care if this information is true. Yet you may even be one of the first-hand eyewitnesses, or perhaps you went and you asked Nancy uh, and asked her, did Susie really do that to you? Was she really angry? And you have verified the claim that Susie assaulted um, Nancy. Then you went and you spread this news, and then you said, well, I didn't slander Susie. Why? Well, because I verified that the claim to be true. Yes, you may be right, and it may not be a slander, but it is still a gossip. Why? Because gossip has to do with the spreading of harmful information, even if this information was true. Because in doing so, you have ruined the reputation of a brother in Christ whom Jesus died for. That's gossip. And the scripture forbids us in no uncertain terms that we must, must never, ever participate in this wicked sin that always leaves a trail of dead, dry bones of what once upon a time was a healthy church. Now, I just want to uh, just uh, give you a footnote before I begin to um, expound on this sin. Now, since slander and gossip both are twin sisters born out of hell, and since the scripture does uh, use them interchangeably and overlap them, um, what I'm going to do for the remainder of this message, just like the scripture does, um, I'm going to be using either or, and when I am, I'm basically referring to both of them at the same time. If I speak about gossip, I'm actually addressing both gossip and slander. And if I say slander, same way, likewise. Okay. Now, so with that being said, let's define it. Let's make it very, very simple and define both together in one, uh, one definition. Gossip. Let's just call it gossip. So what is the definition of gossip? In a very simple way so that we all can understand it. Gossip is about bad people spreading bad news with bad motive, to make a brother look bad so that the gossip, the one who gossips, would look good. Let me say again. It's about bad people spreading bad news with bad motive to make a brother look bad so that the one who gossips would look good. And while this heinous sin, so delicious to our flesh, again, I want to emphasize its side effect is detrimental to the health of any church. Gossip is a black death to our unity as a body. And I want to share with you three areas where we see this gossip, this sin is so destructive. First, it's destructive to the slanderer, the one who gossips. Second, it's destructive to the hearer, the one who listens to the gossip. Needless to say, thirdly, it's destructive to the offended brother. 
So we'll start with the first one. It's destructive to the slanderer, to the one who is guilty of gossiping. So please turn to Proverbs eleven twelve. And by the way, we'll be flicking through uh, the scripture. It, won't be, it will be very different from how I would preach. This will be topical. Normally we go verse by verse. I understand it may cause a little confusion, frustration to some of you. Uh, you haven't been familiar with this in, in this church. But, you know, there's always, uh, <laughs> there's always um, uh, first time for everything. So please do turn to 11, Proverbs 11, 12. And if you uh, feel like oh, it's too many verses, that's okay. You can just listen um, to, to the reading of the scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 12, it says, He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. So please note the contrast between the man of understanding who keeps silent that's the second part of that uh, verse. And the one who despises his neighbor, hates his neighbor, lacks sense. When you don't keep silent, when you speak what you shouldn't be speaking about, not only do you hate your neighbor, but you lack understanding. What do you call someone who lacks understanding? Who doesn't understand? A stupid man. And so in other words, you can shuffle these words around and you can come up with a sentence kind of like this. Gossip is what a stupid man does when he hates his brother. And it's not just hatred. Because in Proverbs 11, verse 9, it says, With his mouth, the godless man destroys his brother. Indeed, further, in verse 11 of the same chapter, it says, By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is what? Torn down. The slanderer destroys. The slanderer tears down. And even when God introduced this evil sin in His Word, the very first time it's ever mentioned in the pages of the Scripture, you find it in uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. And the Lord God says this, You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And listen to this. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am Yahweh. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. Secondly, you are not to act against what? The life. Of your neighbor. That word life in Hebrew means the word dam. Dam means blood. Blood. The blood of your neighbor. And so you find in these two imperative commands, God introduced this venomous sin of slander side by side with the murderer of someone's neighbor. In the same sentence. In the same sentence, it is as, as to say, to pass evil report about your brother is like premeditated murder. 
And that is consistent with what the scripture teaches about the slanderer, the one who passes evil report. Let me show you Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6. It says this, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. Ezekiel 22, verse 9, slanderous men have been in you for the purpose of shedding blood. Slanderous people shed blood. Can you see how there is a strong correlation between the spreading of the negative report to destroy your brother's reputation and the shedding of his blood? So let it be a warning to all of us this morning. If you are spreading malicious gossips as to ruin the reputation of your brother, no matter how godly you may seem to be, no matter how clever you were to lure people in so that they would participate or at least listen to your gossips, God says your hands are stained with the blood of your brother. Is it to no wonder the scripture calls the gossiper a worthless person? Please do turn to Proverbs 6, verse 12. We'll look a few verses in this Proverbs, in this chapter. Proverbs 6, verse 12. And it says, A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth. Worthless. The word worthless in, in the Hebrews dictionary is the word useless. Wickedness, good for nothing in a dictionary. Of course, good for nothing. A gossiper is, is not good for anybody. It's not good for the church, not good for the brothers in Christ, not good for anyone. Why? Because he doesn't build. He destroys. He doesn't heal. He wounds. He kills his companions. And skip a verse. In verse 14, it says, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. The slanderer is always cooking up something nasty, always thinking up something evil to say. As a result, in verse 15, it says, Therefore his calamity will come suddenly, Instantly, he will be broken and there will be no healing. Destruction to the slanderer. And we haven't even finished yet. Again, verse 16, continuing on. Notice what it says. There, there are six things which Yahweh hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. It's going to get from bad to worse. Now, pay attention to this first six. Number one, haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Um, number th that's two, lying tongue. Three, hands that shed innocent blood. Four, a heart that devises wicked plans. F five, feet that run rapidly to evil. Six, a false witness who utters lies. Now, pay attention to the seventh, to the worst of them all. 
one who spreads strife among brothers. So God hates all of these sins. But the crown of all of these sins is the one, the one sin whom Yahweh abhors with passion. Is the one who spreads strife among brothers. Listen, brothers and sisters. If you commit the sin of gossip, the Bible says you're guilty of murdering your brother's life. Not physically, but you just plunged a knife through the heart of his reputation and you let his honor bleed before others. And so like a vampire whose mouth is stained with the blood of his victim, so is your mouth if you gossip about your brethren and God sees you as a stupid, worthless, cold-blooded murderer. And it is an abomination to his side. How destructive to you is this sin of malicious gossip. It must never be named among us. But now, it's not just that it's destructive to the slanderer. It's also destructive to the hearer. It's destructive to the hearer. Second point. In Proverbs 16 verse 28. It says a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Separates intimate friends. When you whisper bad report, not only are you plunging a knife into the honor of your victim, but you're also plunging a sword into the unity of the body of Christ. As it says in that verse, you're separating intimate friends. You see, gossip forces division within a body. Why? Because the moment one gossips about a brother and someone lends him an ear, a knife is now plunged into the relationship. Either between the hearer and the one this malicious gossip is committed against, or the hearer and the slanderer. Or it could be both. The hearer now is forced to take side. Either way, the relationship between a hearer and someone else is broken because of gossip. Let me give you an example so you understand what I'm saying. We'll give you a real life example. You see, what we need to understand is this gossip in a biblically sound church it doesn't come across like in your face, blatantly obvious kind of slander, right? doesn't come across that way. It will be a very long time before you get someone in this church that would say to you, Sister, I need, to, uh, I need your attention, please. You know, uh, I, I really hate Melissa and Olivia. And um, I can't stand them, and I want to share with you a bad report about them so I can shame them before you. It's going to be a very long time before you hear this kind of gossip. No. It's going to come across very subtle. How would it come across? Maybe with a flavor of victim mentality. You know, 
Like, sister, you know, I'm, my heart is broken. I just want to share with you a burden that is my heart for a long time. Y- y- what is it? You know, Melissa and Olivia, they, they seem like they, they just don't love me. You know, Maybe may, may accompanied with a couple of tears as well. So to make it believable. And he says, I, I don't know why. I mean, I didn't do anything bad to them. I don't know why they're acting this way with me. They've been really mean to me lately, but that's okay. That's all right. I'll, I'll get over it. Jesus loves me. This I know. <laughs> and you see, the tactic here used is intended to induce pity towards the gossiper. So that you would feel sorry for that slanderer. Do you see the subtlety? And how does the conversation normally end? It ends this way, kind of like that, right? Yeah, please keep it to yourself. You know, I trust you're not going to tell anyone, right? In which, of course, you have to reply, of course not. Sure, I'm not going to tell anybody. And now the slanderer got you. He locked you in. He zipped your mouth, right? And then what happens? Next church fellowship, you were looking forward to spending good time with everyone and enjoying each other's company. But now what happens? Now you're skeptic. Now you're doubting the integrity of Melissa and Olivia. Could this be true? Could this accusation be true? Maybe. But you can't verify it. Of course you can't. How could you? Your, your tongue now is glued to your mouth. And so what do you do? You carry with you in your head this accusation and you bring it with you over the, to the church gathering. And so rather than obeying the command of the scripture, where it says in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord... Rather than doing that, you're now coming policing Melissa and Olivia. And you're ready to find them in your heart if they just make the wrong move. You're watching them like a hawk. Just just to see how they deal with that poor victim. And in the meanwhile, What happens to the joy of the Lord that you once had? It's been robbed of you. By whom? By the one who planted the seed of doubt into your mind. And in so doing, this slanderer, this murderer, in a very clever and devilish way, he has separated intimate friends. You see? And he is destroying you if you give him an ear. In what other ways would the listener, the hearer, would be destroyed? Another way the hearer would be, destroy, would be destroyed is that that hearer would potentially become a wicked man. You would become a wicked man 
if you lend the gossiper, the slanderer, your ear. That's not my opinion. That's what the scripture says. Proverbs 17 and verse 4. It says this, An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. When you gossip to someone, when you whisper into an ear of a brother, you have put the hearer in a position where he's now stumbled and potentially become an evildoer if he continues to pay attention to your destructive tongue. Hey, sister, did you know what happened the other day? What? What, what happened the other day? Oh, you, haven't, you haven't been told? No? Well, I think we need to, to pray for Rob. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, why? Well, I just want to say this, but, you know, we have to because we need to pray for Rob. Oh, no, what happened? Well, Rob, the other day, he yelled at Joe. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. Let's pray for him. And, and, and this, this gossip, this is a gossip. It's just wearing a mask of holiness. But in reality, it's a gossip. And the scripture says, if you continue to listen to this wickedness, you will be both evildoer and a liar. A listener to gossip is a liar because even though his own brother was stabbed in the back before his own eyes and, and he hasn't done anything about it, what, 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 what can he do? Well, let me tell you, if he hasn't done anything about it and continues to listen, he will have to pretend that everything is okay when nothing is okay. That, that's why it's, he would be a liar. But why would he be a, an evildoer? I'll tell you why he would be an evildoer. Because the one who listens to gossip and not protect his brother's honor is as much of a criminal as the gossiper himself is. Think about it, brothers. Think about it. Suppose that you're in a room and, and you witness a cold-blooded murderer Stabbing your brother in the back. And then this murderer, with his hands dripping with innocent blood, he comes to you. Then he rubs this blood all over your face. And then you let him do that. You, you just let him do that. You're just being passive. And you let him do that. And then what do you do? You silently step out of the crime scene without attempting to protect your, the life of your brother. Wouldn't this be a criminal offense before the law? Wouldn't your brother's blood cry out for justice? Can you dare to say to the judge, what, am I my brother's keeper? Would you be able to say that? And yet think that you would get away with it? Who, who else should be your brother's keeper? The world? Certainly not the, the one who gossip, because he's the one that you ought to protect your brother from. 
Of course you are your brother's keeper. You are to protect your brother's honor. Brothers. Brethren. When a slanderer whispers into your ear bad report to shame a brother while you pay attention and keep silent, you have just witnessed a murderer plunging a knife into your brother's honor. His dignity is compromised. Can a scripture then be a fault when it charges the listener to be an evildoer? Gossip destroys the guilty one, the slanderer. That's number one. And gossip destroys the hero. But not only that, it also, most definitely, and maybe perhaps the most obvious one, is it destroys the offended brother. Proverbs 18 verse 19, it says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Harder to be won than a strong city, of course. See, gossip forms a a very destructive dust storm of wreckage in relationships. And it leaves behind it an unprecedented collateral damage in the health of a church. Especially in the offended brother. Many occasions that hurt of the offended brother runs so deep and it leaves a scar that is beyond the repair. Why? Why is this true? The relay of a shameful report with destructive and evil intent is always done in a dark room behind the victim's back and without giving him a chance to defend himself, right? That's gossip. You don't give a chance to the victim to defend himself and you do that so it can cause maximum damage to one's reputation and to discredit his position within that local church and among his brothers. But then what happens? No matter how honorable the victim may be, No matter how absurd the content of the gossip is, well, he's now left guilty in the mind of the church. And he will continue to be guilty until proven innocent. Right? Because it's it's a stab in the back. The, the, The gossip committed behind closed doors. What that means then that there is no hope for that offended brother to defend his case until it's far too late. And in the process, the young ones in the faith would have already formed their conclusion about him. And how how hard would it be then for him to defend his case before this young brethren? How devastating is this sin? That, my brothers and sisters, is the epitome of injustice defined in the Bible. And you know what? Sooner or later, this slanderer, he is going to be exposed to this offended brother. When it's already far too late, he's going to be exposed. And he's going to know that this man, this woman is a slanderer. 
one who reveals secrets, publishes faults, ruins reputations. And it will be very hard, extremely hard, to regain his brother's trust. Just like strong waves that erode the cliffs on the coast, and, and just like fire reduces a forest into ashes, so gossip turns trust between the offending party and the offended party into dust. That trust turns into ashes. This is the destructive nature of gossip. It destroys the slanderer. It destroys the hearer and the offended brother. Nobody wins at the end. Nobody. And if gossip is left to fester within the body, you know what it does? It creates that in this environment of tension, lack of confidence, you don't know who's genuine and who's not anymore. And rather than the church investing its time to joyfully advancing the kingdom of God because of gossip, we're all exhausted, exhausting our, our energy worrying about who said what behind our back. And when the body of Christ, which is God's means through which the gospel is proclaimed, when this body is destroyed because of gossip, can, can you think of the extent of the damage this would bring to the gospel? The gospel, which is the only reason why we exist as a church on earth. We are here to protect and to proclaim this gospel. Brothers, even if the information that you discuss is true, Gossip is always sinful, and it is a, a sign of the worst kind of spiritual immaturity. And if we want to be gospel people, we must never, ever be gossip people. But what if you don't want division in the church? What if you don't want to tear the body of Christ down? but rather you want to know how to protect your brother's life? What if you want to grow together in the joy of the Lord and have this strong Christ-centered unity and thus be gospel people? What should you do? What should you do, should you do when you're confronted with gossip? Well, please, please stay tuned for next week. We'll... we'll Next week, I'm going to give you some directives, some commands from the scripture as to what to do when you're confronted with malicious gossips. But what I want to do is I want to finish today with this. I want to conclude with this. You know, this word gossip in the New Testament is the Greek word that we're all familiar with. It's the word diabolos. Diabolos. Does that ring a bell? Um, it's mentioned 35, 34 times to refer to the devil. Which means that you cannot be more like the devil who kills and destroys than for you to gossip. And the opposite is exactly true. Is, is, is true. You cannot be more like Jesus Christ than to save lives and to protect the reputation of your brothers. 
even when those brothers are so bad in your eyes. You cannot be more like Christ than when you to protect these brothers, these sinful brothers, even at your own expense. Jesus Christ, who though knows the wickedness of our own heart, yet His love for us led Him not to broadcast our sin, but to bear it. His grace for us compelled Him not to condemn us, but to defend us before the Father. Be like our older brother, Jesus Christ. Who covers our sins and shame. Who protects us. Who defends us. And for those among us who are unbelievers. Those who are not yet born again. I just want to make sure um, we're very clear. Um, We are not about to raise the bar of morality and call upon you to comply. If you're dead in sin. What good is it if you try not to gossip and yet remain dead in your sin? To not gossip while you remain an unbeliever. You know what it's like? It's like getting a dead rat and spray him with nice perfume just to make the smell of his corruption a little more presentable while he still remains dead. What you need is not a change of morality. What you need is a new life. I want to tell you that hell is full of people who never gossiped. Beg God to save your life. Because so long as you're dead in sin, so long as you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God no matter if you gossip or not. Am I, am I discouraging you from, from walking a holy life? No. But I'm telling you, even if you try to walk a holy life, there is an inner corruption that is even much more worse and it will overshadow any holiness that you will do. Come to Christ. Jesus Christ is God-man. He is truly God who came down wrapped himself in flesh, lived that righteous life that we failed to live, died and bore the wrath of God that we deserve to bear. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And now, you know what the scripture calls Jesus Christ? The prince of life. Why? Because he has authority to grant eternal life to anyone that comes to him. So I plead with you to come to Jesus Christ. Fling away your unrighteousness. Fling away your even self-righteousness. And come to Jesus Christ. Rest on Jesus Christ. He alone is able to save you. And He promises that when He does save you, He will change your heart so that when you obey His commands, they are obeyed from the inside out. You don't have to pretend to be a holy man when you're really not. You come to Christ. 
He will change your life. And He will cause you to desire to follow Him from within your heart. And then you begin to walk in an obedient life by protecting your brother's lives and their honor. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord God, what we pray um, as we come to you, Lord, that you open our eyes to see our flaws and failures. Or how many times have we failed, Lord, to protect the honor and the life of our brethren? How many times, Lord, have we stumbled and we caused our brethren to stumble? Lord, this is nothing less than an evidence, a clear evidence that we still need Jesus Christ to continue to change our hearts, to cause us to love him in deed and in truth by loving one another and protecting each other. We pray, Lord God, as you have begun this good work in this church, that you continue, Lord, to do that good work. We pray, Lord God, that we would not start as a church of Ephesus that loved you and loved one another and yet ended up losing her first love. We pray, Lord God, that we would continue to be genuine, genuine believers who love you and want to show that love by protecting the honor and the reputation of our brothers and sisters in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.